this week on Socratic Cinema. What did you say? Trapping? <laughs> um, yeah. But that's that, drugs, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's drugs. Cool. Oh, it's Pride Month. Yeah. <laughs> Happy it's Pride, Pride Month. Month. It's got a little bit more ceremony than just. <laughs> I'm trying guys. to normalize it, Charlie. It's a month to be prideful. It's in the name. <laughs> but then they talk and they're like, just go to the Infinity Stones. It's like, I, dude, I can't get any. Welcome back to another episode of Socratic Cinema. My name is Charlie Heatherly. My name is James Delisio. And I'm Casey Clark. And James is supposed to talk now. Oh, I think. I, uh, I'm so used to you taking it from there. I'm so sorry. Did you guys know it's a holiday today? Today? What, what holiday yeah. is it, James? Yeah. It's a big holiday. I'm surprised you don't know. It's, we have a three-day weekend because of it. Mm. Oh, you know I know what is? you're talking about. I oh, know the one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Say it with me on three. Ready? Yeah. One, two, three. International Patron Day. Day. <laughs> Yay. We did it. Uh, you can tell we planned that. Yeah. yeah totally. <laughs> it's, by the way, it's totally not Memorial Day weekend while we're recording this. It's International Patron Day weekend. Anyways, to celebrate uh, this holiday that is not made up by us, we wanted to take a moment to thank this month's patrons who so generously have decided to support the Socratic Cinema podcast. Uh, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. This is, I'm shouting out, I'm talking to John Delisio. I'm talking to Rachel Delisio. I'm talking to Samuel Copeland. I'm talking to Emma Rudder. I'm talking to Jeanette Clark. I'm talking to Heather and Michael Clark and all our other anonymous patrons who wish to remain unnamed. You guys are strong. You guys are powerful, uh, brave. You better affirm them. Beautiful. <laughs> Never let anyone tell you, you know, you can do, you can conquer the world uh, if you want to. And we can't thank you enough for your continued support of the show. Really means a lot to us, really helps us to uh, keep making the show and do bigger and cooler things with it. Um, so if we hope you'll continue to support us and to anyone listening right now, if you feel so inclined, um, like if, if St. Patron is sort of like you feel the call to donate, uh, consider supporting the Socratic Cinema podcast for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash Socratic Cinema. Uh, or you can do one-time donations or, or you can just tell your friends. That's more than enough. Just tell your friend to listen to an episode uh, and, and you're already doing your part. So thank you again so much to everyone who supported us as we just hit our two-year milestone. Feeling very blessed. And now let's get into the show. What are we watching today, uh, guys, gals, and pals? Oh, well, today we're watching a very special episode or movie. At, uh, guys, I run a podcast and I can't talk. We're watching a very <laughs> special movie. And as a straight white male, I feel very uh, connected to this film. It is Moonlight. Uh, that was a joke, by the way. <laughs> you need to clarify. You need to, when you be sarcastic, you have mm -hmm. to... Make it super obvious that it's you're not, being... it's not fun though when you do that, right? Because then everyone knows. I like to keep people on their toes, but yeah, we're talking about Moonlight, which is not a movie about straight white males. Uh, it is a movie about gay black men. So, sort of just flip every single word that I talked about in there, except for male, and then you got Moonlight. Very good movie. Uh, I think this won uh, the Oscar for Best Picture uh, in the year that it came out. So, very prestigious, very good film. Uh, and I think we're going to have some really good discussions today about it, uh, our perception of it, some of the great cinematography, all that jazz. I would like to start off with uh, Eeny, Meeny, Miny, James, your point of view on the film. What do you think? Ooh, I'm up first. All right. Well, uh, I enjoyed watching Moonlight very much. I really didn't know much about it going in except for that it there was that whole debacle between Moonlight and La La Land at the Oscars. That's about all I knew about the movie. And for a while, I had it mixed up. I thought that they were... I forgot whether Moonlight or La La Land wound up actually winning, you know? It was Moonlight, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, for sure. Um, anyways, I really liked this movie. Uh, first of all, just like... <laughs> visually stunning. Beautiful. Um the way it's shot is so interesting to me. I think they do a lot of really, really 
interesting things with depth of field and focus uh, and and just like the lenses they must have used. It has a very distinct visual look to it that uh, it's just very distinct and it's something I haven't really seen done a lot. Um, I really digged the the kind of like three act structure of the movie. I thought that was very cool. I, I do think the third act maybe... I, I think it lagged a little compared to the other two. Like I think acts one and two were just like so good. Um, and then I don't know, just in my opinion, I feel like the third act maybe didn't like compare quite as much, but that's, that's, you know, that's, that's one of my few nitpicks. Um, I really liked it. I will say, I think it's a, a difficult movie to grasp. Like it's very complex i think and very subtle it's a very subtle film um and i think if you watch it sort of surface level it can be easy to watch it and be like well like what's the point like what were we supposed to learn you know uh it reminds me in that way like a lot of the 2021 oscar movies where it's kind of it's slower more methodical it's not very in your face with anything it's more like like it's giving you a portrait of someone's life and you infer from it what you will. Um, but overall, beautiful movie. I'm also going to say here now, uh, this is an R-rated movie and it discusses mature and adult themes, blah, blah, blah. Disclaimer, if you're like seven, don't listen. R-rated movie, family podcast, but it's an R-rated movie. So just, you know, commonsensemedia.org, whatever. Anyways. <laughs> I just had to cover our bases. Um, parental discretion is advised. That's all. That's the end of my yeah. take. No <laughs> lawsuits. If I see a lawsuit, I am throwing it out. Yeah. <laughs> I am Socratic Cinema's entire legal team. You and Ray Fisher. Yeah, you Me and Ray, and Ray Fisher. Fisher. <laughs> Neither of us have any experiences <laughs> being lawyers. But hey, I took AP Gov, so I know the Constitution. Heck yeah. Uh, I, I can do the finger trick. So just saying, I'm a little bit of a big shot. But uh, shout out thank Menlo. You. Yeah, shout out Mr. Menlove, gang gang. Uh moving swiftly onwards to Casey. What did you think about the film? Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm gonna try to be as ooh. This film makes me feel all sorts of things. Like it's an amazingly beautiful film. I was crying like nearly the entire time. Like it really puts you in your feelings. Um, because it's just the story is so incredibly beautiful. Like, uh, I think James really summed it up nicely when he's, uh, was comparing it to like, it's a portrait of someone's life that you kind of have to take what you will. I feel like that's a beautiful way to, to describe it. I do agree that the first and second acts, um, of the, um, of the movie were stronger than I think the the third one. But I still, I love the movie as a whole. Like I've watched it a few times um, and it just, it really doesn't lose its, um, it doesn't lose, it, lose its spark. It really is very, very impactful, especially because it tackles things, uh, things like being African-American male, and being queer and how that's perceived and how you have to like deal with that on a like deeper level, especially growing up in um, a rough, uh, as rough as a place as Chiron was in. I believe they were in Miami, like the Miami projects. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just, it's, it's crazy. And I just love um, the story, because I know, like, especially this year, we've been talking a lot about, like, we need more diverse stories for minorities. And I was like, this is what, like, this is what I've been talking about. Like, it's not really focusing on, um, like, uh, like, you know, like, black torture, uh, like how <clears throat> most films right now are, are yeah. looking at it. But it's just focusing on, like, the struggle of a co coming of age movie. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. I, I hear you. Yeah, and it's just and it's just so 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 good. And I want more movies like this, please. But yeah, that's a beautiful movie. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, no, totally. I think I agree with with pretty much every single point that you said. Uh, I was not 
in tears during the movie, but I rarely cry at films unless it's a really awesome scene or it's Andy giving away his toys in Toy Story 3. No shot. <laughs> Bro. That is, that is heartbreaking. Uh, but let me set the scene a little bit for, for how I came into this movie. Uh, because I am a proud film critic, and I am also a proud man who brings his own opinions into everything that he watches or does. So coming in with an open mind, I try to, but in reality, I'm always coming in with some sort of preconceived notion. And my notion about this movie was that it went up against La La Land. I really liked La La Land. La La Land got robbed. Therefore, this movie is sort of on my hit list. I, sort of I feel that. I hear you. not as good as La La Land. I came in with that, and I'll be honest with it. I was like, oh, this is going to be so Oscar baity. Oh, I probably just won the Academy for, you know, X, Y, Z. But I, I have to say I'm entirely convinced otherwise. Uh, I, think, I, I think from frame, uh, not frame one, but very early on in the movie, you get a really good idea of this movie's style of storytelling. It is raw, it is real, and it feels very natural. Uh, typically in some movies you get lines that feel like they were crafted by a writer. I forgot which movie I was watching recently. Oh, Army of the Dead uh, by Zack Snyder. Tons of lines in that movie. You're like some guy sat in a studio and he smiled as he wrote this because he felt so proud of himself. But <laughs> every single line of dialogue, every single cut, every single shot all feels natural. And like it's inside this world uh, of Chiron and his life. And really, it, it just feels, uh, like James said, a, a portrait of somebody. Like, this is a real living person, which I think is an incredible achievement for any film to have, is to make you feel like this person is a real living character. Uh, and it is unique in that it is a coming-of-age story that uses this three-act structure in different points in Chiron's life. So it's not just like, this is the last week of high school. It's not like book smart in that regard. It is very all-encompassing. I've never seen Boyhood, uh, in my mind, it's sort of a similar concept to Boyhood. Do you guys know that movie? I've heard. Yeah. I yeah, I remember seeing like trailers for it, but I've never seen it. Yeah. The The thing with that movie is that they had the same actor and they shot it over the course of like, I don't know, 20 years or whatever. Wait, seriously? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, whoa, yeah. that's incredible. Because they use the, the same kid, right? Yeah. Same kid yeah. all the way through. What? Yeah, yeah. It's insane. Now I really want to watch it. Yeah, Boyhood I, has a really cool concept, but it's similar to this movie, not in that it uses the same actor, but in that it tries to show an entire person's life and how they come through uh, th their struggles and all those emotions and things like that. And really, I will say that the third act sort of lagged, but the first two acts are so good, I don't really care. Like, never have I felt as a person, I'm very, like, pacifistic when it comes to, like, legitimately fighting people. Like, I'll talk a big game and then I won't, you know... Uh, I'll be joking, essentially. Yeah. But, like, I have never wanted to see someone get hit with a chair more yes. than when Chiron smacked that guy across the back. Terrell. I was, like, jumping up. Yeah, Terrell, mm -hmm. he deserves mm -hmm. the worst. That man's <laughs> awful. So that felt Absolutely great. Absolutely nothing. Deserves nothing. Yeah, not a single thing. No but, crumbs. Like, I think <laughs> this movie also shows that people can be justified for negative actions uh, in regards like that. That's a very small point of the film, but that's just, you know, something that that scene, I think, did very well for me. But overall, incredible movie. I think uh, very good. Definitely best picture worthy. I do want to have a discussion further about the La La Land versus Moonlight debate, but I think that we save that for the very, very end as a sidebar because there's a lot more to talk about. Uh, yeah, with this it, movie than just it in the context of that like dramatic. Uh, yeah, it, know, real it would be a disservice to this movie to only talk about it to compare it to La La Land because they're like yeah. a, they're like they're just so different. Um, and like I think that's something you got to be careful of with movies. It's like, well, was it better than X Y Z? It's like, well, now we can't think about this movie on its own. Like now it's forever tied to X Y Z, and that's mm -hmm. not good. Um. Also, yeah, Terrell, just that, that was so satisfying. That mm -hmm. was the most satisfying thing possibly ever. Um, I'm really interested. So there's a lot to talk about here. We can talk about color. We can talk about cinematography, like the way it's shot. We can talk about just like the story, the characters. There's, there's a lot to dive into. Um, I'm very intrigued by the character of Kevin. Yes. Because in the first act, you're like, wow, okay, well, this is cool. Like, 
not everyone hates Chiron. Like he has a friend, he has a little buddy, <laughs> Kevin. And then in act two, you're like, Oh, I, <laughs> it was funny. This film set up expectations so well for me because I remember seeing Chiron standing at the top of the school, like just knowing as soon as he walks out, he's about to get bullied. And I was like, man, I wish Kevin were here right now. <laughs> and then five seconds later, <laughs> Kevin walks in. Um, but then, you know, like, and they, they share this intimate moment on the beach and, and then Kevin, you know, is peer pressured into beating up Chiron and you're kind of like unsure about how to feel about him. And then in the third act, he comes back and, and, you know, they're together again. So it's like, did, did Kevin redeem himself? I guess is my question. I, it's, it's, it's on, I am very conflicted about him. Uh, no. I mean, like, mm. yeah, I, I, I think that you should forgive him for his actions. And, like, if he, if we're talking about him as a person, then yes, I, I would not hold grudges for that long. But that's a really bad thing that he did. Yeah. Like, like yeah. to be that vulnerable with a person and then beat them up and destroy them for, for that vulnerable moment that they shared. I mean, it wasn't specifically that one, but just the fact that everyone thought or knew that uh, Chiron was gay. And it it's like just beating a man for the secret he just said to you. Like it awful. very, very clearly did the wrong thing. Um, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I don't know if, if the, the reconciliation at the end was necessarily, you know, enough to, to redeem Kevin in my eyes, but did he ever apologize? I don't. Yeah. He apologized he over the phone when he first called uh, Chiron. Okay, cool. Cause I, I, I don't, I don't, I must've missed that then. Yeah. That's a wimp move to apologize over the phone, phone for that. Yeah. For bullying somebody yeah. who'd say face to face when you give him the chef special, man. Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> Dude, I want to yeah. try the chef yeah. special. That looked good. Nah, that looked good. Binging with Babish episode. Wait, is that? Oh, that has to be, right? Yeah, no, it, it totally is a binging with Babish. In fact, I think I have his cookbook. I think that is one of the dishes in his cookbook. So, guys, let's all come to my house and cook that. Yes. I am right. so down for that. Well, you cook it because you're the chef, right? It's the chef oh. special. Make me do all the work. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Kevin Kevin was an interesting thing. I think a lot of the characters are very, like, aside from Teresa and Juan, who are just these shining emblems oh. of goodness. They deserve mm -hmm. the world. I love them with my whole heart. Everyone else in this movie is very much, like, conflicted uh like paula i mean for oh man in in <laughs> when we first meet her it's like oh she's just a, like a, pr a protective mother right because charlie and casey watched this movie before me and they were like complaining about paula the whole time they're like man this mom sucks she's terrible and then i watched it and i met her in the first scene and i was like oh she's just like she doesn't seem that bad like she's just protective and then she falls into the drugs and the, the abuse and it's just bad. But then, like, she kind of tries to redeem herself in the third act, too. I think my problem with the third act is it's a lot of, like, clearly so much has happened between parts two and three. Like, that, yeah. and I think that's part of the point. Like, Chiron's practically a different person. But... I feel like there were so many reconciliations and redemptions that I don't know, just because of the structure they chose to go with, I don't know if they were earned or not, you know? Like, I don't know mm. if I, I probably would have bought Paula's, like, you know, redemption more if I had more, like, time with it, I guess. That is what I'm trying to get at, but... I, I want to know what you guys think. Because I think in that aspect, the three-act structure may have hurt a little bit more. Because, like, you really only have, like, three 40-minute batches to work with these characters. And, like, there's years and years between those 40-minute chunks. So it's, it's, it's hard to, to do. And I think overall, it did a, this movie did a good job developing its characters over these, like, crazy time skips and not making it feel super jarring. But especially for Mac 2 to 3, it just felt like I was like, there's a missing piece in there somewhere. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I could totally see that. It, it felt very much like there, yeah, a huge time skip 
but I, I sort of like all these wishy-washy redemptions just because they're how real redemptions work. Like, you're never going to get a black or white, I'm sorry, uh, I forgive you type issue. That stuff with the mother felt very much like it was lift out of somebody from either the director or writer or whoever, like their own life. So I am in favor of some of the, the ways that they did that and some of the ways that they're making the audience interpret whether or not that was earned. But I also agree with you in that I would have liked to see a smaller time skip uh, to a point where I could more easily get Chiron's progress into the person that he was in Act 3. Yeah, I think for me personally, like I understood how Chiron got to who he was in Act 3. Do I like it? Absolutely not. Like very much <laughs> like the reaction of Kevin being like, what did you say? Trapping. <laughs> um, yeah. But that's the, drugs, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's drugs. Cool. And you can see that in his car, he has the same um, like crown thing on his dashboard that Juan did. Sorry, mm. had to do it to him. Um, <laughs> that got me. I think oh, the, shit, I didn't even notice. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think it's like a... Um, I don't know if maybe he got it from him or from Teresa, probably yeah, from know. Teresa or or something like that. But I feel like it has some significance to running the block, but I don't know. I can't necessarily speak on that. Um, but I definitely understand to a base point why he became like a dealer. Um, simply looking at like the amount of stability in his life, the only time that like he felt supported or safe was with Juan and Juan had this sort of like RN protection, which I mean, I'm assuming that will we end part one with Chiron kind of talking to Juan about literally selling drugs to his mother um, <laughs> and how he, you know, kind of bursts out um, of the house and like we never really see Juan yeah. again. We're assuming that Juan's dead. Or I hope that yeah, yeah. I think it's I think he it's pretty clear that 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 yeah, they're pretty clear that he died. That he died, yeah. I hope that mm -hmm. wasn't the last time Chiron and Juan interacted. Me too. I don't want to think about it too much. I don't yeah. I hope it isn't, and I don't think it is, because like I I mean, he still seems pretty like it seems that he's still is like sees Teresa pretty frequently in part two. Yeah. So I would assume not maybe, but yeah, Juan was such a wonderful character and such a like a good like influence in Chiron's life that it really did like make me sad to only have him in act one. Cause I mean, yeah. And, mm -hmm. and not to mention that, that I, I, I'm sorry. I shrug struggle. Uh, Ali's performance was incredible. Oh, Mahershala. Mahershala. Um, he, by the way, this has sold me that he's gonna do great as Blade. Uh, oh, very yes, insanely he, good. Yeah, he ate fully. He, ate. he did not. Yeah, he did it really well. Just really good acting all around. Honestly, mm -hmm. like that. That's something I did. I wonder. I need to research what uh, you know other awards this movie won because I I, I I I hope there was some actor wins in here somewhere. I think yeah. Mahershala got something. There's he no did way get he something. Didn't. I think he got best supporting. Here, I'll research. You guys keep keep but, uh, casting. But honestly, the the cast was pretty stacked. Like even the the actor who played teenage Kevin, he went on to do um, when they see us, and like oh, and when they see us was in like insane. I don't know who. Um, I don't know what uh, teenage Chiron went and did, but it's it was a really like pretty stacked cast. Like even though some of the well, you have like the big names like Janelle Monae and then Mahershala Ali. Wait, um, oh, teenage Kevin was Smush in Concrete Cowboy. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, so it's just it's. Great. I feel like the casting department did what they needed to do for sure. And especially the age progression, like how all of them, um, like Chiron from being like elementary school, high school to an adult, like you can, like you can see it 
and even like their facial structures, because even like when I was looking at Trevante Rhodes, I was like, you know, as you do, um, (laughs) I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, like I can't necessarily like see how the teenage Shiram goes to be this like um, adult Trevante Rhodes. But then they did like this zoom in on his face and their facial structures actually look really similar. And I was like, dang, that's insane. And yeah, it's just brilliant, honestly. Oh my, well, yeah, totally. Like between the the two younger versions, it's almost like, it seems like it's the same actor. It's really impressive. But I'm looking at the director's filmography, uh, Barry Jenkins' the third possibly i don't know there's like a line 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 on his imdb uh really stacked filmography uh if beale street could talk he had moonlight Mm -hmm. he's doing the underground railroad series right now uh and he's due for a movie very soon uh it seems like hold on let me go back to his director credits he's gonna do a lion king prequel Mm -hmm. Which is, oh. what do you guys think about that? Because his his filmography is very much dealing with modern uh, black issues in America. Uh, at least from like Beale Street, from this movie, from Last Black Man in San Francisco. Uh, a lot of that is what he does. So what do you think about Lion King prequel? Well, I mean, honest, as long as it's not like the... Lion King two and a half or whatever that was called. Cause I'd love to just forget that that happened. Like, I mean, I feel like if it's done well in a way it could work. Like I, I think looking at his filmography and his skills, like he can talk, like he can, he can direct, you know, like he can do his mm-hmm. thing, but it's just, it's really going to come down to like the content of the movie, I think. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand the new Disney meta of prequels to th- like the the Disney meta for a while was live action remakes of everything. Now it's live action prequels to everything, like Cruella. Now this, it's like why, 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 why? Mm-hmm. I don't think Cruella. Uh, Cruella's supposed to be good. I know, but I also don't think it's a movie that needed to exist. Like, I never once have said, man, I wish we had a whole movie about Cruella DeVille. This is true. Well, okay, this actually sort of sounds interesting. The Untitled Lion King prequel. uh, Simba, having become king of the Pride Lands, is determined for his cub to follow in his footsteps while the origins of his late father Mufasa are explored. Uh, I'm actually sort of down for that. Oh, so it's kind of a prequel slash sequel. Yeah, it's like two. I, I'm assuming it's two main storylines culminating in in probably like a theme of of generational you know knowledge or whatever, uh, like passing on the lessons to your younger son. So it's it, it's basically a Lion King, but imagine it's from Mufasa's perspective and it's his moral lesson that he learns. That sounds oh, cool. Yeah, I, I'm down that's with interesting. That. Yeah, uh, and I mean in the second one they kind of did. Well, they more forced the Romeo and Juliet like thing following the. Shakespeare did have you guys seen the second Lion King no really no yeah it was kind of it kind of went straight to video anyway oh okay I'm sorry (laughs) second Lion King if if you have a two and a half in your in your title I'm not watching you it's just not happening well, the two and a half one is like the we that was like Timon Pumbaa and Timon. Pumbaa. Yeah. Oh, we don't still, talk about that. One. I do want to circle back. Uh, it won Best Picture. Moonlight did. Uh, it won Best Picture. Uh, Mahershala Ali won Best Performance by an actor in a supporting role, and it also won Best Adapted Screenplay. What I'm wondering what it was adapted from. Like, was this a book or what? Uh, oh shoot. Mm. Uh, Naomi Harris, the actress of Paula, got nominated for uh, Best Actress in a Supporting Role. Uh, Barry Jenkins she was... Ate. She, she kind of ate. ate. Barry mm-hmm. Jenkins was nominated for Best Achievement in Directing. It got nominated for Cinematography, Editing, and Score. Uh, so this this was like a big, big... Uh, this was maybe not like the Nomadland of 2016 or 2017, but like the... What's the movie that got like the second most nominations? 
<laughs> but yeah, uh, this this movie I... ate at the Oscars for sure. Yes. Honestly, because when you think of the Oscars, like you definitely think of like, yeah, Moonlight got a lot. And then you think definitely like Parasite just swept. And yeah. then you like this year, there was a decent amount of films that got like a lot of. Yeah, like Nomadland. Nomadland. They yeah, like, they Mank. double, triple dipped. Mm-hmm. And for what? And for what? And Mank. For- <laughs> <laughs> hey, apparently Mank was good. Uh, I refuse to watch it. Yeah, Same. I just, it won't happen. Um, and well, wait, guys, we we didn't even touch on like the theme of why we're doing Moonlight in the first place. Oh, it's Pride Month. Yeah, <laughs> Happy it's Pride, Pride Month. month so. It's got a little bit more ceremony than just. <laughs> Happy Pride I'm month, trying guys. to normalize it, Charlie. It's a month to be prideful. It's in the name. <laughs> this is the battle. Do we do we normalize or do we celebrate? Why not both? Both. Cheers to that Socratic <laughs> cinema. <laughs> Pat ourselves Heck, on yeah. the back. Can a we get bit. a, a We're rainbow, such good people. Uh, logo, James? We the best. What <laughs> do you want a rainbow <laughs> logo? We the best podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Please, I was so scared for where that was going. What, what did you think I was going to say? I don't know. DJ Khaled's. Yeah, I we don't have to be careful with you, James. You're you're tiptoeing across a very fine line right now. <sighs> Listen, I don't want to. <laughs> let's not. Chill, all right. Let's talk about Man. the color blue. Can we do that? I was about to, yeah. Let's talk about the color blue because I could write a whole dissertation. But let me stop. Let me start with how every single time there's like an emotionally vulnerable like situation, either someone's wearing the color blue or it's like somehow reflected on someone. I love the color blue. I I was living, anyways. Ten out of yeah. Ten out of ten. It's oh like, my god. It it relates to the the title of the movie. It's the whole like it blue blue is the name of the game here. We mm-hmm. got right moonlight black. The whole thing it's like black black boys look blue in the moonlight. Right? Mm-hmm. Is like that's like the line. Is that from something? I feel like that's from something like a song or something. No, the I think black it's just boys cool. look blue in the moonlight. Yeah, great line. I feel like I've I heard think it's that just a great la- Well, maybe it is. It probably I don't know. Is. Anyways, so yeah, I mean, and there's a whole lot to like dig into there. Like, oh, you're more than like what people define you as. Like, oh, you're black. Yeah, but I look blue in the moonlight. Like, you're more than than like appearances. The thematic content is rich here. Uh, so good. And then the yeah, you're like they just they they take the blue and they just use it. And especially, I like. Um, the ocean like kind of not symbolism but like the recurring ocean thing as another sort of like yeah symbol i guess for vulnerability um and you know the ocean's blue so that checks out um Mm -hmm. i think there's at least one like vulnerable ocean scene in each act or at least like i I mean there's there's one teaching chiron how to swim in act one which is like possibly one of the best scenes of the whole movie um there's, you know, the the scene between Kevin and Chiron on the beach in Act 2. I don't think there's a beach scene in Act 3, but when they're, like, reconciling in Kevin's apartment, you can hear the tide, I think. Yeah, well, when you see when they're walking up to Kevin's apartment, Chiron looks behind him, and there's, like, a path to the beach. So he kind of lives, mm. like, on the beachfront, uh, which is, oh, so oh, and, good. And the very last scene, mm-hmm. too, where, like, little Chiron is standing in the water at the end, and he, like, looks back at the camera. That's a great shot. I love it's that. It's so good. And I'm it's get- all blue, oh, baby. And it is all blue. Like, literally, I'm getting, like, emotional, like, thinking about it. Like, it's such, like, a beautiful movie. Like, oh, my God. It's what? like yeah. <laughs> 2016 was the year of color in movies. Like this and yeah, La La Land. Mm-hmm. They were the they they really are color powerhouses. Mm-hmm. The use of pink with the mom. Yeah, yeah, that was very like distinctive. And even mm-hmm. that light that flickers between the acts. Like yes, yeah. It starts blue and then before act three, it like turns red. And it's like, ah, uh, Chiron is not the same vulnerable Chiron that he was learning to become in Act 2 anymore. Uh, yeah. Yep, yep. And I, even, like, in Act 3, right, so so second half of Act 2, like, going in through the end of it, lots, like, Chiron starting to sort of come into his own identity, and there's lots of blue, and it's, like, good. That's a good thing. 
And then, you know, what happens at the end of act two happens and his, you know, trust is, is broken. Um, and for like a lot of act three, there's like no blue. It's a lot of reds, a lot of warm tones as we see like black, right? The new Chiron. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just sort of like color reinforces story, I guess. And it's, it's really, really well done. Um, Oh my so, god. Yeah. Wait, guys, I'm so stupid. I thought Chiron was spelled like S H Y R O N E. So I've been looking at this guy named Chiron and I'm like, who play who's Chiron? That's how you spell Chiron. Isn't I'm Chiron sorry. the Yeah, I watched with sub- subtitles, so that wasn't a problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. Isn't wow. Chiron the guy from Harry Potter? Not what, well, sorry, Percy Jackson. The yeah. Yes, yeah, the dude. I have been frantically searching, trying to figure out who the hell that guy was. You want to talk about the color blue? Let's talk about Percy Jackson and the blue. Oh, the, my God. Oh, wow. <laughs> no. Yeah, but I now on Socratic Cinema, I've learned to spell uh, in addition to speak this episode. So I think I'm, I think I'm batting pretty well. That's a two yes. for two right there. Hopefully you learn to watch with subtitles next time. I, Illiteracy be damned. I love watching with subtitles, but sometimes, like, I noticed sometimes I'm staring more at the subtitles than the movie, mm-hmm. but with my ears and current Hollywood conventions of sound mixing, I'm not going to be able to hear what they're saying. I need the <laughs> subtitles. Can we talk about that? Hollywood sound mixing is insane. Like, what the difference between dialogue and, like, the fight scenes is so drastic, it's impossible to ever pick, like, one volume to listen to a movie at. I've also noticed this awful thing I like to call like trailer speak where every line spoken in a movie trailer is always so like gruff and breathy and it's impossible to tell what they're saying, especially in stuff like Star Wars and Marvel movies where like you really want to like pick apart every line because it's like Star Wars, Marvel, you want to know what's happening. But then they talk and they're like... He's gonna just go to the Infinity Stones. It's like, I, dude, I can't get anything from that. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that uh, I think they need Riley Smith, an incredible audio uh, producer and, and, <laughs> and editor, to do their audio for them. That's Riley Smith. It'd help. Yeah, I mean, listen to how good we sound right now. Ding, buttering. Wait, Riley could probably put on his resume he won the Socratic Cinema uh, second year anniversary editor of the year award. Or, or whatever we gave yeah, him. Yeah, Socratic Cinema LLC Best Editor of the Year. Heck That's yeah. totally resume. Oh my gosh. Speaking of which, hey, guys, our second year anniversary episode is out right now. This very Hello. second. You need to watch it because we reveal our faces in it. And it's also a yeah. really fun award show. It's like the Oscars, but better. Yeah, so, you get to see my ugly mug. It's really fun. It's a fun episode. I'm really proud of it. Yeah, uh, so I think go, it turned out yes. super well. Go check it out. And we're all dressed up, so if that's yeah. not convincing enough. <laughs> yeah, we're also wearing ties in yeah. case just the rest of it wasn't an allure. <laughs> so you can now draw fan art of us, and we will uh, look at it on the show. I would love yes. to see some fan art of myself. <laughs> Y'all, what do you Preferably think this is? Probably on a golden throne with a crown, if you can do that, and then... You know, like a cool scar across my eye. Just uh, <laughs> the ego's getting to his head already. I know. You win one award all the time. YouTuber mentality. Listen. But you have to find out which one. So go watch yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Ooh. Ooh. Dude, James, Casey's coming for your throat when it comes to being better at the spiels. This is crazy. Mm, I'm willing to let it I'm willing to let it happen, you know? I don't I don't care. Um did this deserve Best Picture over La La Land? I'm bringing us back for one big dis- debate right here. Ooh. This is the one. We've been dancing around it. Is it better than La La Land? Good pun. Huh? That was a good pun. Wait, what? We've been dancing, dancing around. Dancing around it? Yeah, La La Land's a movie about dancing. Oh, I w- see. When you said dancing around, I was going to go for Dancing in the Moonlight. Oh, uh, is- uh, oh my God. The layers are insane. Yeah. yeah pun... Not intended, but then intended after. (laughs) Was it better than La La Land? Someone give me a yes or no and defend your answer. Yes. Yes. Oh, oh, wait, no. Was this movie better than La La Land? No. La La Land's better. 
Okay, defend it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think that on a cinema graphic level, uh, if we're talking about cinematography, uh, I invented a word there. I'm yeah, so I was going to say, can you define cinemagraphic? Yeah, well, you know, if you're as educated in films as I am, you know. But uh, if we're talking about cinematography, I think both films are very close. But to me, La La Land has such incredibly creative sequences that it's really hard for me to ignore just how inventive that movie is. Uh, and to me, both of them also give a really good snapshot of what real relationships can be like. In La La Land, you have what is meant to be this idealistic Hollywood romantic relationship sort of fall apart and fizzle out. And you get to see the the real side of that. In this movie, you know, we've talked about how, how realistic and good it is. So they're similar movies in in that regard. But to me, I just sort of like La La Land's creativity and its uniqueness. And I'm also a big fan of musicals, so the song, uh, the dancing, the costuming, all that is great uh, in La La Land. And for me, wins it over uh, compared to Moonlight. So that's my take. Yeah, I framed this question. I'm not trying to, like, I'm not making a point here because I, I don't want to yet. Um, I framed this question <laughs> in a very confrontational way because um, is it better than La La like, trying to objectively say whether it's better or not versus trying to say whether you think it's better or not are different, you know? Oh, like, yeah. No way you could tell objectively whether it's better or not. It is personal for each of us. Yes. Like Subjective that. only. Mm -hmm. Casey. So Casey. Explain. Yeah. Okay. I think it's better than La La Land, but of course we already went over, like, I love La La Land. You can go and watch our episode on me just vomiting dance for like yeah <laughs> for 30 minutes um but i feel like moonlight uh has this special like quality to it like as fun as la la land is i feel like there's this depth to moonlight um like where la la land carries like this fun um story and also like this complex story like Moonlight tackles really, really big issues that haven't been completely like looked at in ways that aren't um either treated as like a side uh quest or some like stereotype or um something like derogatory like there like the fact that there was like a whole movie about like a dark skin queer man with like a light skin queer might might maybe bisexual um <laughs> love interest like and also having like breaking down all these like um not necessarily stereo yeah like stereotypes like we have like the drug dealer but mm -hmm. he's the most influential and positive influence on like this guy's life we have like the mom who was a nurse but then she's also struggling with like drug addiction and we see her like kind of coming out of that. Like, I feel like there's just so many levels to Moonlight that like you can sit in and pick apart forever where you can kind of sit down and watch La La Land maybe twice and get what you're going to get out of it. But I feel like you can watch Moonlight several times like I have and kind of pull um, different perspectives, different points of view um and yeah and have it just completely transform you i feel like it like especially like watching it for me why i was getting so emotional is that like uh with a lot of movies like especially like this is what happened when i was watching like spider-man into the spider-verse like this is a movie that needed to get made because there are people that needs need to see this like there are people there are like black queer like teenagers or children who don't know what's going on with them or why they feel like this or why they're like getting treated the way that they are and to have a movie that like explains not like explains that but like explores it is just really really important yeah charlie wow. i'm not gonna lie it's hard to argue with that <laughs> well um, uh <laughs> counterpoint yellow dress city of stars yellow dress uh, city of stars yeah i will say <laughs> I think Moonlight is a much more important movie than La La Land. Like La La Land is an is another like like 
white person musical love story. Like I love that white, I love that La I almost said I love white people. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I love that La La Land is about jazz and it highlights all these things I love. I, I mean, I probably personally enjoy watching La La Land more than Moonlight, but I like, I like to think I'm mature enough to recognize that Moonlight is probably a more important movie than La La Land is. Like, if, if, if one of these movies needs to be talked about, it's probably Moonlight. Um, just for, for the reasons Casey said. Again, personally, I think I, I like watching La La Land better. But, that's, but Moonlight is not supposed to be a comfortable movie. Like, La La Land is a, yeah. is a delight to watch. Um, it's, it has a sad ending. But, like, La La Land is, is a, like, it, it's a fun watch for the most part. Um, it's an engaging watch, I guess. Moonlight is, is it makes you like question and think, and 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 it's very mature and and subversive and has so many layers, like Casey was saying. Um, I think it's just like a different tier of of filmmaking, you know. And again, like there's so many technical aspects of La La Land that I love, like the the cinematography and the music and the the color and and all that. But it's like at its core, La La Land is a story that's been told before, whereas Moonlight, I think, is something that like needed to be said, you know? Oh, for sure. And I yeah. think that that Moonlight is undoubtedly culturally the more important film. Uh, I guess to me, like if we're talking about best picture, I I don't know. I don't like calling happy, enjoyable movies uh or or like i think enjoyable happy movies can be mature and i no, think yeah. That, yeah i think that very often mature and serious get conflated when mature can be also seen as like something like chef which is a very mature very good film uh which also happens to deal with very real relationships in a in a positive way like True. those movies i Factual. think are important because so often a lot of the the adult media that we consume is way more serious and deals with 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 darker themes and things like that, uh, which is why I enjoy La La Land uh, and why I, I personally uh, would pick it over Moonlight. But I think a lot of the reason why we're, we're, we're gravitating towards our specific things is just because of the way that we uh, like, you know, relate to the stories. Like the reason why James and I probably personally like uh, La La Land more is because we don't really have a big personal connection to Moonlight. Uh, but I think it's very important to note that even if you don't have those personal connections, it's important to recognize a film based on its merits. And, and as you guys have both said, the power uh, and uniqueness of the story that it's telling. So, mm. yeah, know. like, like, can I personally relate to Chiron? No, not really. Can I still watch it and empathize and feel like I learned a lot and saw something that was important? Absolutely. Like, no, yeah. you know, hands down. Quite, yeah, no questions asked. Like, if I was an Academy Award voter, I probably personally would have voted for La La Land. But, like, at the same time, not at all mad that Moonlight won. Like, No, no, not at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, totally. Yeah, I get it. And, yeah, I'm bummed that La La Land didn't win just because, like, uh, it's one of my favorite movies. I love it. But I think I think it's important that Moonlight did win for reasons we've just talked about for like an hour. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I know, this that, is going to be a short episode. I know. And then we just we, we always say that the, the the ones we have nothing to say, we always say the most about. But like, yeah. And I think that that what the the Moonlight versus La La Land debate boils down to is the concept of choosing a best picture is stupid. Like, there is no possible way that you can determine whether one or one of these movies was better than the other or one deserves to be the best picture or not. Because yes. every, like, you can examine it on different levels. People are judging this with different criteria. Like, the argument for Moonlight is that it is an important film and it needs to be respected and giving it an Academy Award like Best Picture is not only, you know, it, it's deserving of that, but it also shines light on a very important issue. While La La Land, a lot of people enjoyed watching that movie more because naturally it was a more happy film, and they're going to go with with that instinct rather than, you know, the, the, the cultural instinct. So, That's a good point. Like, people are judging these movies on different criteria, and yet we're conflating them 
as as being in all one category. So I don't know. I like Best Picture as a novelty, but if you are seriously just like choosing movies based on whether or not they're the best picture or like, oh, this one best picture, so it's better than this one, like that's ridiculous. And you know it's ridiculous. But yeah. Off my off my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> well. Wow. Good job, call. team. <laughs> All right, the Moonlight Train is about to roll out of the station here pretty pretty quick, I think. Um, thank you all for joining us on this first episode of the month of June. Thank you again to all our patrons. Um, if you enjoyed the episode, be sure to like and comment and subscribe and tell your friends and follow us on, on everything. Um, if you leave a comment, we'll give it a little heart and write a little response because we love reading your comments. Uh, please do, if you enjoy the show, please do uh, consider telling your friends about it. If your friends, you know, seem like they'd like it, word of mouth is the best form of advertising after all. Um, so yeah, if you if you like the show, maybe send it to a, a colleague and say, hey, I was thinking of you and I think you'd like this because that would be a really nice thing for you to do to, for your friends. Um, also, please, if you feel so inclined, if you feel so generous, if you're in a spirit of giving, consider tossing a couple coins our way at patreon.com slash Socratic Cinema. You can also go to our website, SocraticCinema.com, where you can find all our socials uh, and you can stay tuned and follow us on Twitter, where I'm trying to learn how to tweet as I tweet out updates about videos I'm working on. And we also post just stuff on our social media, so you should follow it if you like it. Um, I think that's pretty much all I've got. Thanks for two years, everyone. And uh, here's to two more, at least. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And um, go pet a dog. We've been Socratic Cinema. Ladies and gentlemen, adios. Adios. Bye-bye.